even as a team, we we're shifting narrative just by existing, just by doing things that people think that we can't do. And I feel like that's a really powerful thing because on one hand, it changes people's mindset that is narrow minded from think like maybe when they go to another show and they see a female performer who's a rapper, they're not going to have that preconceived notion that she's not going to be good, you know, but then on top of it, it also allows, I'm hoping those people who do get pushed out of those spaces and who do feel like they can't occupy certain space to be like, Oh, but she did it. She's a female rapper. And, I haven't seen that before, but now I'm seeing it. So, like, maybe I could do it, too. Welcome to season two of Making Conversation with me, Grant Bryden. I've been sitting down with some of my favorite artists and thinkers to discuss creativity and life for this fortnightly podcast. For this episode, I spoke to Havaya Mighty, a rapper, producer and recording artist from Toronto, who won the 2019 Polaris Music Prize with her breakthrough album 13th Floor. Last year she followed up with the Stock Exchange mixtape, which won a Juno Award. She recently joined me fresh off the plane at Levi's House of Strauss in London to talk about maintaining balance through the ups and downs of success and how she hopes to implement change through the power of being her authentic self. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe on your preferred podcast provider And please check out my book, Life Lessons from Hip Hop, which is available now from all good booksellers. Yeah, I guess it's like the end of a a very aggressive summer. We've been touring a lot and doing a lot of different things, shows and um, kind of like appearances, engagement, stuff like that. So it's really nice to kind of finish it off with the international leg of the tour, so to speak. You know, we just came from uh, L.A. I played my, my biggest show in L.A. called The Dinosaur. It was a really cool show actually it was in palm springs which is in california but we stayed in la and then did that and then now we're here and um playing a show here in a couple of days and then also going to atlanta for the bet awards so yeah off of the strength of an amazing summer where we kind of went in a bunch of different places within canada where where i'm from it's like a great way to kind of like i guess end off the the trajectory of 2022 yeah yeah how is that sort of mentally to deal with because i guess it's gone from a fairly low time into like suddenly all of this high energy it feels kind of like everything suddenly that was waiting to happen in the pandemic has like happened Happened. all at once yeah it feels like like a like a floodgate opened or something like that which i guess it's good the things that are coming are, are really good um and when i met you actually or when we we did great escape in 2019 uh things were the momentum was really really high so for 2020 and 2021 things really slowed down so it's very interesting kind of the I guess the uh, the way that I've returned to the UK when I've returned to working, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's just, it's really cool to, I guess, keep doing what I think I'm meant to do mm-hmm. and also just take that beyond the borders of, of, of where I'm from. Yeah, definitely. But what's that like navigating those highs and lows just sort of internally for you? Like, what's that? What uh, does that feel like? Extremely polar. I'm not going to lie. It's really polar. Um, it feels really good, of course, to perform on stages and kind of get outfits ready for like different engagements there's stress that's associated with it of course and it is hard work of course but it's so rewarding because at the end of the day I get the opportunity to talk about my music talk about my art which I live and breathe so it's it's an amazing thing although it isn't the easiest thing to do but then you know when I go back home it's like it's so polar because you go from like people knowing your lyrics and being very excited to meet you and camera photography you know being ready all the time to like just regular like grocery shopping and like kind of like 
not really that feeling of reward happening and doing laundry and all that regular stuff. Sometimes it's good to kind of go back to that regular stuff, but sometimes it's a bit of a, a push and pull internally, like a little bit conflicting, like how much value is being contributed yeah. when I'm not doing the music stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? So I have to remind myself that there is value outside of just making music. Mm. And I guess especially when the up times, I guess, are so intense as they are kind of now, do you feel like almost like that identity of the person who does the laundry sort of gets lost? 100%. They're, yeah, they're two different people. I feel like I'm much more uh, in tune with the version of me that is going out there doing my job. The version of me that's learning to be, I don't know, a contributing member to society outside of an arti- artist, uh, you know, I'm still learning who she is a little bit more, you know. Right. I'm still taking my time with that a bit more. What do you do to to, to try and connect with that part then? I try to utilize the time that I have off a bit more intentionally now. So right. like trying to like do specific things that I know that I would enjoy that I don't always have the time to do. You know, I want to get more into fitness again mm. and kind of like start working out more regularly when I'm traveling. It's hard to upkeep that and you're so tired from the things you're already doing. You don't want to lift weights. But that's also something that I know that before music was taking off, it gave me a lot of uh, it gave me a lot of happiness, value. It made me eat better as well. They kind of you know, relied on each other. And so that was a whole system that I created. And because I was working out, I was eating better. Because I was eating better, I was creating better routines, waking up at better times. When it comes to working, like, I'm on somebody else's calendar all the time or somebody else's schedule all the time. If I'm performing, it's whenever they book the show. The soundtrack is when they tell me to arrive. If I, you know, everything is just on somebody else's schedule. So I guess I'm learning how to set my own schedule when I have the opportunity to do that and be able to kind of bounce back and forth. And that's, you know, it's a blessing to have that dilemma, but it's not easy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think the challenges are then? What are the, what are you trying to sort of work through with, with regards to that? Mm. I think it's just very difficult to have routine when somebody else isn't dictating it. I'm very good at meeting deadlines and doing things on a schedule because I have to, and mm. somebody's going to hold me accountable to it. And I also hold myself accountable when it comes to music. Like, it's a lot easier for me to do that. But when it comes to, like, other things, that accountability, I think I'm learning to, yeah, like, introduce that a bit more and listen to myself a bit more. Right. You know, and remind myself that there's so much value to me outside of what most people recognize is my value, if that makes sense. Because most people are aware of me as an artist obviously as a musician and i'm so grateful for that but like you know outside of that it could feel like people don't you know they don't care and it's not that they don't care they don't know you that's what regular life is like so it's it's getting used to that balance you know and i've also had to get used to the balance of being an artist who people care about you know because that was also something that wasn't a normality for me just a couple of years ago yeah so i had to kind of adapt to that and now that i've adapted to that i feel like i'm getting a lot better at that I'm almost like, oh, but like I'm falling short paying attention to like that other aspect of life, which is like the main aspect of life when you really think about it. Yeah. They like the the mental health sector, the self-care, the all of that. If that's not right, if that's not OK, it really does filter into and negatively impact the work that I'm trying to do, especially yeah. when I'm you know, trying to make impact. I'm trying to be positive. It's like if I'm not feeling positive or feeling good or feeling, you know, OK, it's going to be very difficult to do that other aspect. And so those things really balance off of each other. So I'm just just, just playing with that balance, which yeah. I think life is 
you know, for all of us, it's just how do we balance all of the different things that we got going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess as an artist, that's even more heightened because as you said, there's this external thing that people know you for and care about and are connected to, but then also you've got the you who maybe people don't care about because they don't know. Mm. Um, do you think that you said something before that made me think of like, you know, tr like learning to trust yourself. And do you think that that can be difficult, I guess, when you're in a position where you're getting a lot of external sort of gratification, you're getting awards, you're getting this kind of stuff. And then do you think that that sort of affects your ability to trust yourself maybe in some way? 100%, yeah. I think in addition to the external validation being the thing you rely on to know if you're doing good or not, there's also like working with the team that has opinions on everything that you do as well and having team members that are great at what they do from everything to outfit choices like input to social media captions mm. and like input on that so you start to overthink every single thing you're like oh like i think this outfit looks good but like well, let me tap in with my team or i'm gonna do this post but let me tap in with my team and make sure i'm not you know hurting anyone's feelings or you know what i mean like you yeah, gotta yeah, yeah. kind of consider them because they're always kind of considering you and making sure that everything you're doing is like thought through. And then of course, when everything has to be thought through and structured. For me as someone who used to be a very DIY artist, I used to do everything by myself, do my photo shoots, music videos. I made all my own decisions. It's like very opposite now to have a yeah. team. And I remember it's funny when I first met my manager, um, I started working with uh, some artists and I remember that project I did 13th Floor is the first project that people really started to recognize me for. But going into that creation process, I remember being told like this is going to move slower than you're ever like than you're used to like this is this is this is we're going to take our time with this project and I remember feeling like I was being held back I remember right. feeling like like I, everything used to move so fast for me I'd make a song I put it out in a couple of days you know what I mean I'd get someone to make the artwork I'd make all these decisions and then you know when I went into that process it was like well I got to work on this song and then I got to work with the producer the following week and then I got to send it to mixing and send it to mastering and then I got to commission somebody for artwork but we have to find the right person it would take months and months and months as opposed to days um that process was very difficult for me but i i think i eventually got used to that process where now i've understood that in order to create great art that is thought through you don't want to rush that process you don't want to yeah. just throw something out there which i used to do right so i've learned to, to kind of take my time i've learned to kind of take my time with the output and get opinions that way i can modify if those opinions are something that I actually kind of think has artistic merit, so to speak. Um, and that's been something I've gotten used to, but that DIY version of me, that person that like didn't really need anyone to make decisions, you know, she's a little confused now because she's now used to having this support all the time. And it does make it difficult to kind of trust yourself with certain things. And you have to be able to do that. There's certain things that you just, you not only are there things that you don't want help with, there are things that you just might not have help with as well, you know? So, it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I, I don't want to lose sight of the version of me that can, like, execute yeah. on my own. Yeah. Like, which I'm, I'm very good at execution if I put my mind to it. Anything I put my mind to, I know I can do it. Um, but sometimes if you put your mind to something and you're not sure if that team you've developed okays it, that's where it gets weird. Like, oh, like, can I, you know, can I yeah. do this thing, or yeah, yeah, should yeah. I not do this thing? So, I'm just again balance, right? Mm. Because I think balance will help me understand when I need that input and when I don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I guess it's quite easy when you're delegating 
opinions you're sort of i know the feeling it comes down to that thing of like you know what you want to do you could just do it but then you're going to check with everyone that you know what they think before you make your decision and i guess sometimes that makes you almost feel like you can't you can't make a decision or you don't know how to make the decision yeah but i also understand that now when i make decisions like many more people will see it yeah and because of that that's why i understand like alternate perspectives because somebody from my team who understands what my dreams and goals are might say hey but have you thought about this interpretation or have you thought about it from this perspective is that really what you want to do and because everybody understands the big picture goals and Mm -hmm. because there's so many eyes that are going to see each and every decision that I make publicly Mm -hmm. I do understand that like having that input and having a good team and I think is what helps like the most successful artists flourish right and I've seen the downfall of musicians who kind of like you know they just tweeted something on a whim or they got upset and you see that downfall and i know i could you know i'm a sagittarius i speak my mind all the time so um i think it's important for me to understand that it is important to you know i never want to do anything that's going to be offensive or or hurt anybody or 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 literally just not be what i want to output like not be the type of music or statement that i want to make and because i I work with a group of people. <clears throat> we all kind of work together. We we want we want to grow together. I'm gonna tap in with them, and I'm gonna check in with them to make sure that we're like all on the same page. But yeah, it's a bit of a struggle yeah. at times. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm definitely the person that like my whole life, like just did my own thing. You know what I mean? And like, but it's interesting, right? Because I'm also the only I'm the youngest child. Right. And as the youngest child, I also always like look to my older sisters and my parents as the decision makers. So there is an aspect of me that has been heavily reliant on other people's opinions as well. So I never want to get too lost in that version of me as well, yeah. relying on my team. So it's really like, it's just really like polar. You yeah, know what I mean? no, for sure. What do you think you, you talked about this sort of version of you? That's the DIY version that you want to keep in there. Like, <laughs> what do you think that you do to reconnect with that version? I think it's, you know, I think it's actually just doing things. But not doing things that, it's just doing things that I can then tap in with my team with, but I've done it on my own still. So if I have a song idea, instead of like being like, hey, what, like, do you think this is a good beat production that I should jump on? And, and do you think this collaborator would be a good idea? Like I try to come up with the decision on my own mm. or come up with the idea on my own and structure it all in my mind. And then I'll tap in with my team for input. But at least that way I've, I've, challenge myself first to kind of come up with the concept or come up with the idea and that that way the diy version of me has still concocted this whole thing i've done mm. it all but then before i put it out then i'll, ta- I'll tap in with my yeah. team and that way i also have that input and i'm not just kind of like doing something on the whim that i'm going to regret yeah yeah no for sure so it sounds like it's more like the opinions come in at the point where it possibly is going to go public but before that it's it's you. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes things yeah. just go public. Sometimes there's some days when I'm just like, I gotta do this post, and um, I maybe I don't have access to um, my social media help or assistance, or maybe I don't know. Sometimes I just I just I don't have the capacity to like rely on somebody else's opinion, right? Mm-hmm. But I I I think I kind of know what things I can get away with doing that with, if that makes sense. I know what things I can share without input or, 
you know, what things that I know are things I stand behind and it's not like no one else's opinion is going to change that. So it's also identifying that. It's identifying those things that are super me. Like one thing I try to remember is like my opinions on things. Like, you know, because when it comes to music, you could think, well, have you thought about a bridge? Have you thought about this, adding this to the course? You know, but when it comes to like my opinions on like something I'm feeling, I try to like keep that me, you know, because there's an authenticity to me that I don't want to get lost in the branding of everything branding is important and one thing that i've learned as well is like how to brand myself i've learned how to shop for myself and like how to buy clothes that i like so it's like i'll buy the things that i like and then i'll get someone maybe help me put it together but like if i'm doing an interview like i dress myself today Mm. but if i'm going on a red carpet okay let's get some help right yeah there's degrees to it so um it's really just about i think maintaining that part of me and, and and still doing things that that I know that I believe make the most sense and then determining where I need to kind of tap in and, and ask for help. Yeah. You mentioned before about the the adjustment to having people actually care about your music. I guess with the last two album length releases, you've sort of reached that point where there's a claim, there's like people looking out for the music and stuff. Mm-hmm. What's that adjustment been like? Oh, um, like this career, this, this lifestyle is unfathomable. Like still, there's something about it that is just... Like, I like I just do. Like, sometimes I'm like, have I processed this? Like, do I understand? Um, I didn't think it was possible. Like, I made music for so many years and actively put out music and practiced my craft without the expectation that it would ever turn into anything. It was just something that I did. Um, but I always had a job. I always had a full-time job at the same time. I always was thinking about, like, my long-term goals that was outside of music. Like, how am I going to pay my bills? Like, I was always thinking the 9-to-5 realistic route. So the fact that my music started taking off in 2019 enough so that I was able to walk away from a full-time job and I haven't had to go back in three years, you know, it wasn't something that I could fathom. It's definitely like a dream come true, like literally. Um, a lot of people that create art, one of their dreams is to be able to share, whether you're a visual artist, an actress, actor, whatever. One of your dreams is to be able to share this thing that you're very passionate about with other people. And I get to do that, you know, I get to do that literally for a living. I was reflecting on this yesterday, actually, with the, the flight delay, because we were supposed to get in yesterday. So that kind of extra couple of hours, I literally just sat and thought about, like, what we're doing and, like, feeling blessed that, like, you know, who cares if the flight is delayed? Tomorrow, I'm still going to hop on a flight and go to the UK to share my art and to talk to you about my art and my mind. And, like, that's wild. You know what I mean? It's it's such a blessing you know and i also am able to talk about things that i've that i've been impacted by um you know as a young black woman from canada i feel like my narrative is often very dismissed that was the whole concept behind the 13th floor album was the experiences of people like me being quite dismissed having you know your counterparts say well you're not from the states you don't experience racism it's not real like that's that type of rhetoric right and not recognizing the pain that you walk with every day and um that's why the, the title 13th floor even came to be was because, you know, the the floor 13 and elevators is all around the world, like doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, but obviously it does exist. We just kind of have this understanding collectively that it's not a thing. So we don't acknowledge it. And we just say it's the 14th floor. And it was like interesting to me how it represented the parallels of narratives that that young black women in Canada have or people, black people in Canada have and it's very obviously there we know it exists we all know like what what 
the history has been and the fact that it must impact us today and yet we pretend or at least many of my counterparts have pretended my experiences are 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 um void mm. that they, 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 they don't exist much like the 13th floor you know and that's where that came from but to make a project about that and to talk about things that i thought would kind of alienate me and blackball me and make it so that I couldn't be a successful artist to have that project be the catalyst of success mm. or like the, the the thing that opened the doors for me to actually be able to be a an active full-time musician who's moving towards more and more success every month every year um, has been really enlightening and you know a, a, a little bit confusing yeah honestly yeah um but, you know, I guess I just kind of try to roll with the punches and mm. uh, recognize that, you know, sometimes those difficult things are the things that people need to hear. And and by doing that, by talking about these things, which I think is almost like it's it's important to me to talk about these things. And it's like natural for me to talk about these things. It kind of just comes out. Um, but I realize that it's not something that we get often and the representation is lacking. And, you know, just by existing somehow people are like feeling that I'm knocking down walls or something like that. Um, which is still like crazy to me. Like I remember, um, when I first started performing actively, like people would always say, wow, like you're really good for a female rapper, you know? Yeah. Or like, I didn't expect that. And I would always have to ask myself, like, what did you expect? Like, and why did you expect less? Um, so I guess that's the same thing, right? Like I realized over time, like, you what you do is unexpected like the space you occupy is not normal to people and i'm like oh so all i have to do is like exist and go forward and further into that version of me to not specifically achieve success but to be able to impact others which has led to success um that's kind of what it's felt like you know it's felt like just being my weird self and kind of like not shying away from that version of me that's actually been more like more impactful for me than trying to conform and conformity would never work for an artist like me or a person like me. It's just, it's just not a thing, you know, as a female artist who doesn't over-sexualize myself, who is masculine presenting, who wears like, you know, tomboy clothes and stuff like that. I know in the rap world, I'm not appealing to the people that are going to buy all the records. I, I know what the template is that sells and I know the labels know what that is too. So I know they know what risks to take what artists to take that risk with. I know I'm not that person. Mm. But I also know that the space that I'm occupying and the things that I'm doing are impacting people in a different way than the things that they've been exposed to and they let me know that. Yeah. And because of that, who knows where I'm going to end up? I don't know if I'm going to achieve pinnacle success. But I'm already achieving pinnacle success literally by impacting people in ways that they have not been impacted. Like, like who can who can say that? You know what I mean? And that's really rewarding feeling. Yeah. I wondered whether... You mentioned these two questions before about the when someone says good for a female rapper and you said you ask what were you expecting and why were you expecting that? I wondered from your point of view, thinking about those questions, what conclusions have you come to? Mm. I mean, the conclusion I came to even back then was I'm a female and there's an expectation that females are not as good at the 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 at rapping itself mm -hmm. that women are not as good at rapping so and i'm a very good rapper right yeah. i've really studied the the craft my craft and before rapping i took singing lessons for seven years i know how to use my diaphragm i know how to breathe i know how to enunciate i know how to you know what i mean so mm -hmm. 
all of these things work its way into like my actual output. So I feel like that level of being impressed is just not something that they thought that they would ever get from a from a woman mm. or from a at that time a young girl. Um, which also like my age probably factored into that. Like it's like, wow, this is like the smoke break time, you know? You see all these guys on this bill and then there's like, you know, this one female performer, you think she's what I realized is that the average person thinks she's gonna be the worst artist. Maybe in the singing world is different. Cause I also sing. In the singing world that those things are different. There's R and B, there's pop, right? You think that's what girls do. But the moment that it becomes rap, it's like that's not um it's a masculine genre. It's a masculine um, industry. And so because of that, people don't feel like you can occupy that space effectively, mm-hmm. right? It's also like, it's like I used to work in music retail um, and I worked in DJ and lights and it kind of transferred to me also working in the rental department. So I'm lifting heavy speakers. I'm like running cabling. Like I can use this studio we're sitting in. People don't expect that because that's something that they they associate with masculine energy, right? So people expect you to work in the band department knowing how to play the flute or like, you know what I mean? Or maybe guitar because acoustic, right? But the moment you get into like DJ lights, cable wiring, the drum department, that's a man's world for a lot of people. And so I occupy space in male dominated spaces. I've always been a tomboy. I've always played sports. Um, And growing up, you know, I was pushed out of those spaces and knew that I didn't fit in. You know what I mean? It's weird now to kind of like occupy that space and kind of like change people's minds a little bit about what it is that they didn't realize were their kind of ignorant, small-minded viewpoints on things. Mm-hmm. Even like my manager is a, is a woman, my DJ is a woman. We we travel together and I see how people are like, whoa, like DJs are men, rappers are men, managers are men. And so like even as a team, we, we're shifting narrative just by existing, just by doing things that people think that we can't do. And I feel like that's a really powerful thing because on one hand, it changes people's mindset that is narrow minded from think like maybe when they go to another show and they see a female performer who's a rapper, they're not going to have that preconceived notion that she's not going to be good, you know. But then on top of it, it also allows, I'm hoping, those people who do get pushed out of those spaces and who do feel like they can't occupy certain space to be like, oh, but she did it. She's a female rapper. And I haven't seen that before, but now I'm seeing it. So like maybe I could do it, too, you know. And I'm hoping that that representation kind of does, you know, filter into like what other people feel or think that they can do. Because the fact that I'm the first person to win, you know, the the Juno for the rap category or the first black woman to win a Polaris. Like these things are weird to me. But at the same time, it's not that weird because I haven't seen examples of it before me. Like the examples that I have seen have been U.S. based and like not Canadian based and very few and far between. That's why Lauren Hill, you know. It's yeah. the one, you know, the pinnacle, right? Because there's not many people like me, you know? Yeah. But there are. When I went to Palm Springs and I was playing um, the Dinosaur Show, it was like a lesbian festival, and there were so many women there that, like, looked like me and dressed like me and had hair like mine, and I could see that they were resonating with certain specific songs that I had. And it made me think, what representation in the music industry do they have? Hmm. And I couldn't think of anybody. Like, not one person. Whether they actually resonate with me as something like them or not, I don't know. But I looked at them and I resonated with myself in the right. audience. I'm like, I see me in you. Yeah. So I wonder if you're seeing you in me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So the people are out there. It's just that they're not, they're not being represented. 
I feel like they're not, you know. I feel like when you think about females in rap um, and you think about the space that is occupied, one struggle that I have when it comes to, like, working with publicists, PR, all that is when they say, you know, name three artists that you sound like so we can put you in a box. It's like I struggle with that because I can't really think of, especially, like, current artists that – we ex- we would exist in the same space. It's hard to think where I would coexist with a lot of these artists is a blessing and a curse because if you're looking for me, I'm the one. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is there? But if you're looking for commercial viability, I'm not the one. Yeah. Or maybe I am the one if you're willing to take a risk. So it's a weird place to be, you know? Yeah. When do you think that you realize this power of just like existing basically? Winning the Polaris Music Prize in 2019, 100% uh, off of the strength of the 13th floor project and that's because when i made that project i was surrounded by family friends and like new producers and stuff that did tell me you know talk your truth speak your truth and so i did that i was encouraged to do that but i was very uh skeptical about how it would be received and i didn't have high hopes for it because in the past i i didn't have i didn't have good acknowledgement of those sorts of things talking about um, talking about tensions between the black community and police mm-hmm. felt like career suicide before I even started, you know? And then I'm talking about stuff like that on the album, talking about being a young black woman when in Canada, when it's like less than 3% of us, who's my audience? Who am I speaking to? Are are, are white people going to understand or are they going to feel victimized? And then I'm losing 70 whatever percent of my potential listener base. Mm-hmm. So I thought these things, but I still made the music anyway. Yeah. And, and winning that that moment was like oh like wow because i was going to do it anyway but i wasn't expecting to get accolades for it mm. i wasn't expecting to be acknowledged for it and then it was an interesting thing because then it's like oh like you get this weird notion where some people are like oh you only won because of that you won because of that political statement sure. not because you're good at rapping and it's like mm, have you have you seen me rap? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not just because of the fact that I'm speaking about important matters. It's because I'm also a good musician who understands the layers of a song. I understand the most beneficial baseline for the melody. I understand, like, I'm spending time with the hi-hat pattern. I'm playing with these files. It's not just that I'm saying something. It's it's the whole thing. And I think that's why I won. I think mm. that I deserve to win. But then there was, like, those weird... Um, opinions where it's like oh you won because you're the token black girl Mm. right so then you're now you're in the weird place where you're like wow i finally got past feeling like i can't speak about these things now i'm doing it and now i'm questioning am i even talented like so yeah it's just so weird so those things do like even though obviously i can see from talking to you that you haven't accepted those things but those things do sort of play on your mind at some level when people are coming and saying you only got it for this reason. Yeah, hundred percent. It 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 bothers me, but it doesn't bother me enough to like change what I'm doing, you know. Because even with the Junos now, you know, I saw some people. You know, I, it wasn't a category with all men, and all of the men have a lot of success, um, and and are pretty well known. And then there was me, who I do have some success, some success as well. But for me to achieve that type of streaming success, I just think it's going to be more difficult for for me because of the space that I occupy. I'm not speaking about the same things. Um, so I'm I'm targeting a smaller niche market. I don't look like them. You know, I think that in hip hop, men gravitate, like male listeners gravitate toward male listeners and female listeners gravitate toward, towards what men gravitate towards. 
right? So a lot of times it's going to be men dominating that space because men dictate, they're like, well, this guy, this rapper's good. And then the girls are like, oh, dope. Yeah, you're right. It's hard to convince people mm. that what you're doing deserves space. And so I, I saw some opinions of people saying, you know, oh, she only got the award because she's LB, LGBTQ, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I didn't even come out yet. Like, they they must see something. But I didn't even speak about that yet. When you right. listen to the project, on, like, when you listen to Stock Exchange, there's only one song where you can really even gauge what my sexuality is because I'm still coming to terms with that in that time frame of my life. Okay. That wasn't even the focus of the project. But people will l- not even listen to the project. They'll they'll watch one thing or read one tweet. They'll look at your image, and they'll kind of condemn you to what they think it's mm-hmm. based on. Well, she won that because you know the the landscape and the you know what I mean. The landscape of today is inclusiveness, so they're just trying to be inclusive, right? Right, yeah, and yeah. and it's like, I mean. I can't speak to whether that is or whether that isn't. All I know is there was a time when there were rapper, white female rappers like Krayshawn using the N-word, and I knew there was no space for me back then. Right. Right? So it's like, did you prefer that? Would, mm. would you like to go back to that? Because I feel like what I'm doing is innovative and, and is representative, more representative of what hip-hop is than the things that we've seen at another time when, when I felt like somebody like me could not speak my truth. And if I did, I absolutely would not would not get him any sort of like main stage is that the change of the uh, like the climate or the industry is that uh just the right time the right place i don't know like mm. i've always been this person and i've always made music i was in singing lessons from the age of four to yeah. the age of 11 i started rapping at 12 i've i've always done this this is this is who i've always been and i've also you know been raised by parents you know lucky enough to have you know two really loving caring parents who you know have five black children and they raised us from a very young age to be to care about and be proud of the fact that we're young black children like which i feel like a lot of my counterparts didn't have so like me walking with that power and it working its way into my music i feel like it's impactful because society has broken a lot of us down yeah and i did grow up in an environment where like our neighbors would break our windows call us the end or do all sorts of aggressive things i did go to a school where i wasn't uh, represented, wasn't accepted well. I was in French immersion and couldn't pick it up. And the teachers thought I was, um, you know, needed anger management and they did condemn me to that. They did, you know, th- I went through those like, those kind of like condemning early experiences growing up in Toronto. Mm. Um, and the reason that I walk with the strength that I do now is because I went through those things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I, I can't I can't answer truly like why I'm here or what exactly has allowed this to like align. I just know that like the more I focus on my music, the more things do continue to align and the more that I'm validated that this is the direction I need to go in. The more that I feel like this is the most impact I've ever made in my life, you know, going to math class and figuring out, um, you know, like a algebra equation or whatever has never felt like I was contributing to society in any kind of way. Yeah my life experiences and how I've interpreted those to be uh, to to be able to talk about race even yeah. in my music. A lot of people, they go through a lot of pain and trauma and then they can't even talk about it without it, it, it destroying them or draining them or whatever. My parents gave me the strength that has allowed me to speak to those experiences, but with a, like with a, with a strength, like with my chest out mm. because they've always kind of like countered it. Everything that we went through, my parents were like, no, 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 that's not the reality. This is the reality. Right. And then you go through something else and they're like, no, 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 that's that's not the reality. This is the reality. 
you know, and my my whole journey has really come out of that. I've put out so many projects. I I don't know, if, maybe like seven projects at this point, but people only know of my last two. But I would say my last three projects are really indicative of who I am because my fifth project, that <laughs> it's crazy to say my fifth project, yeah. but my fifth project was called Flower City. Right. And it was inspired by moving to Brampton out of Toronto where where I lived in Toronto was just extremely racist and also impoverished, but like very white. So it was right. like white people with no money who were like, but you're worse, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it was yeah. like real, like we were like, you know, they would call the cops on us for playing the piano too loud, crazy stuff like that. Um, just like harassment. Um, to come from that and then move to Brampton where it was like multicultural, I went from like, you know, I wasn't allowed to go outside. I wasn't allowed to have friends in Toronto because everything was like a risk. Like it was harmful. Um, our neighbors were abusive, you know? And then when I moved to Brampton, I was able to go to the park and play basketball. I had friends. I had Portuguese friends. I had Indian friends. I had Trinidadian friends. Like it was wild. I was like eight or nine at that time. And that was the first time that I learned to be social, which I think made me a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, probably contributed to some social awkwardness and stuff like that. But it also like was maybe why like I sat for so many years with my own thoughts and just kind of mulled over them and I didn't really have any outlet for it which um Brampton became that outlet you know and that's why that Flower City project was like my like you know like my way of saying almost like thank you for this opportunity to like find myself I don't know that I would have found myself if I stayed where I was in Toronto I don't know that I would have ever been able to dissociate myself with the amount of anger I used to have growing up because I was really I was I'm a like a fairness police you know what I mean like I feel like when you like through life it's just important to me that people are treated fairly that's always been a thing for me my mom says <laughs> right um and I when I would get grounded I'd write letters and leave them in their room that was like I shouldn't have been grounded reason one like and like she would never like ever like actually like rationalize any of these thoughts but I was always like the fairness police person like if something wasn't fair, I would speak out about it. Um, I think I always that. just felt like life wasn't fair. Mm. And I I think if I didn't make that move at that time, I would really say if my parents didn't make that move because it was really them that recognized that their children needed a better environment. And they were the ones that that my mom was working two jobs. My dad was a stay-at-home dad at the time. They did what they needed to do to be able to afford to move out of Toronto to Brampton, like to be able to buy a house. Whereas before it was like, you know, like some form of project housing, right? They they realized they want better for their kids and they did they made that happen. And I think that it changed everything for me because I am the type of person who I think would have taken on my environment. And I think I already was starting to. The teachers were saying I had anger management issues, blah, 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 all these things. When I moved to Brampton, I was deemed gifted. I was given an IEP. I was put in extra classes. I did extra work all the way till grade 12. I became like a nerd, you know? Um, and I think it's because of the change of my environment. And I'm really, I really think if I had stayed in that racist, unfair environment that I would have taken on a very angry persona and it would have affected who I am today. Hmm. You know? How do you, I, I, I listened to something interesting that you'd said about kind of, the 13th floor being the album that's against the system but then ironically is the one that's accepted by the system too 
what was that process like of like because you said before that you didn't have high hopes for it so what did it feel like actually releasing it out into the world and then watching how the tides kind of turned yeah it was incredible because actually i was able to quit my job a couple of days before the album dropped it dropped like may 10th or something like that of 2019 and the polaris was in september so it actually was just the summer right right it wasn't actually as long as as people would think um it felt a little bit like an overnight success but i know okay. that it wasn't right because i know that i'd start putting out music you could backdate on youtube and find me from 09 so that's mm-hmm. 10 years of work but it felt like an overnight success because it felt so quick you know but it's because i didn't expect anything of it i expected for my experience to be the same as the last 10 years no one's really going to care you know um I don't I don't know like it felt so conflicting too because again like I felt like this is the right thing to do right this is the right thing to do right that's what I felt um but at the same time I started to think like am I being rewarded for the right reasons as well like are the people that are rewarding me actually listening mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying or is it more just people aligning with what is supposed to be right right like am i just the supposed to be right police kind of thing am i just the thing that's saying the things that you're supposed to say but like are you living it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like when you listen to my album and you hear these things are you actually eliminating walking with ignorance are you actually having these difficult conversations at your bedroom or at your dinner table with your family or is it just like something that you can say outwardly oh yeah that she's totally and we and we and we awarded her that. So that was a, a, a thing to struggle with. I still, you know, kinda struggle with that because we live in a society where I see examples that negate the things I fight for all the time. So it's like, is what I'm saying, are these words doing anything? Because they're words. I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm not actually saving people's lives physically. And so you go through the roller coaster of feeling like what you're contributing to society is really important and not that important. Yeah. And I still go through that. But I always come back to thinking it is important. Even when I feel like it isn't, I, I find a way to come back. And maybe that's by having the right team, having family members, having the best fans in the world, you know, or maybe just the combination of all of it. You yeah. know? What do you think are those examples of things that negate what you stand for? Oh, like George Floyd, for example, yeah. being murdered, you know, and it's like you write a song called 13 on the 13th uh, floor about the 13th Amendment, how we're treated in Canada. And then after that, George Floyd's murdered. So then right. you write protest, right? And then something else is going to happen. So then you're going to write something right. else. So, like, is it actually making a change, right? Because the things that I'm speaking against are still very much happening. Yeah. Like, at an exponential rate. Still very, very, very actively happening. So it's like you feel like the climate of everything around you is shifting to accept these narratives that I, I feel like I could... I used to... I used to talk about stuff like this in high school and my and like black people would call me a black panther. Right. Not even white people. Other black people would be like, whoa, whoa, this is so much. You're a black panther. You know what I mean? Like and I was like, really? For like just having like this like simple rhetoric that doesn't conform to like I'm not really doing anything radical out here. You know what I mean? I'm not out here picketing outside. I'm not wearing all black. I'm not really doing anything. I'm just like defying the standard opinion you know mm-hmm. let's talk about i would want to talk about colorism in high school you know why is it that we have this divide between light skin and dark skin you know why is it that 
all my black male friends come to me and tell me about all their light-skinned girls that they want to talk like and I would listen and I'd be like yeah she's pretty and then I'd say why is it that way and I don't have these conversations at the black bench people wouldn't want to talk about that you know um so then now I'm talking about it and my music and people are like wow yeah you're right but if I go outside I'm still seeing examples of exactly what I'm talking about so it's like is it is the impact real or is it like kind of surface you know right but I remind myself from the feedback that I get that it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. That's just not how it works, you know? It's just I gotta keep doing this. I may never see the results truly of my output. And that's a good feeling to have because it's not it, it lets me know I'm not doing it so I can see the results. I'm doing it because I know I know it will happen. I know I know that change is coming out of it. I just might not be seeing it. Mm. Maybe 10, 20 years from now, there will be some impact from a song that I've made 10, 20 years ago, right? And at least even talking about it, being willing to have that conversation is something that I didn't see, right? In high school, they weren't they weren't willing to talk about these things. So at least now, there's a willingness to talk about it. Maybe 10, 20 years from now, we're gonna see more of a willingness to actually push for and execute. There's that executing thing again but execute those kind of like those changes and those mindset shifts, mm. you know? What do you think it was that made you the kid who was wanted to have the conversations versus the kids who didn't want to have the conversations? I think my parents, like my yeah. dad is a, my dad and my mom, like what they've did, they just kind of surrounded us with kind of like, they just surrounded us with blackness in a society where it wasn't really like, celebrated you know so like when i was young we would go to like we would go to like naya bingy events we would go to kwanzaa events like my dad would really try to like get us to tap into the culture i would go to marcus garvey events you know with my family my dad used to well he still does but he like knits hats and he would have his vendor and you know i would see all these elderly black people who like were so different from the society's standards or like what you see on tv Mm. see very you know you know, calm, caring, spiritual people, but not like religious, spiritual in a different way, you know? And I was seeing like, I think examples of blackness that other people weren't seeing, like a royal, a royalness that other people weren't seeing. I would see the clothes that, that, that they would wear. My dad would make clothes and like make them with specific colors and it would just feel like I'm a part of something, you know? My, and my dad was always just spiritual in his essence. It was always... You know, I always knew that I was a descendant of of Africa, but had Caribbean ancestry. Hmm. Like a lot of people, when they grow up, I don't even think like it goes as deep as Africa. They're like, "Well, I'm Jamaican, or I'm Bayesian, or I'm I'm from Ohio, or something like that." Yeah. And for me, it was always like, "No, like we were from the motherland." At the end of the day, so I always knew like there was like this like like this fundamental essence in my roots, and they always kind of. My parents just always reminded us of that. And then I had three older sisters who like also like represented that for me. Like I came from them too. And I just think our whole, you know, I was also raised a vegetarian, um, never ate meat in my life. We were just doing things different. Mm. So I feel like my mindset just shifted. Like my, my brain grew different. The things I came to know were just different. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I feel like that difference is also why, you know, because being an artist requires you to, like, stand out, you know. Fitting in doesn't really work. Like, you kind of have to fit in and stand out in a way as a as an artist. 
And the fitting in part is where I struggle a little bit. That's why I think I'm a bit of a niche artist, but I also think that's my superpower. Mm. Um, but I think standing out, literally, like that came from like, I came from an upbringing that just was not normal necessarily. And it was, I'm very like, just, yeah, just very different, I would say, than like the examples. I've never seen example like what I've seen growing up, you know, I've never seen that on TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You mentioned before this sort of the importance to you of seeing these examples of blackness that you you hadn't seen before. And I wonder, do you think that that's what you represent to a, a lot of other people? I think, I think so. And I th- also think that's a, it's an interesting juxtaposition, right? It's a blessing and a curse because I also think sometimes because of that, I don't know if other black people see themselves in me. Because my experience is probably different than this textbook black experience. But that's another thing. We need to stop believing that there is a textbook black experience. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think and I think that that experience is attributed to very specific things. Um, no dad, single mother, growing up in a home um, with, um, you know, growing up impoverished, growing up in the hood. There are reasons why that is a lot of our narrative. Right. There are aspects of that that are part of my narrative, too. We grew up in um, some form of government housing because it was um, subsidized, maybe not to the degree of some individuals. Maybe it wasn't the worst hood, like it wasn't like a hood hood, but it was like a not a great area, you know, and that's because my immigrant parents came here with not a lot and they had to work. Right. So a lot of black people's experience in Toronto, for example, like where I grew up. Is similar to that because their parents also immigrated there and didn't come with a lot and had to work from the way up. And all they could afford was housing in this area or this area or this area, right? So it makes sense that that is a lot of our narratives, but it is not indicative of all of our stories. Mm-hmm. And that's also an ignorance that I'm hoping that like being different will break. Like I speak to the stories of my own growth. And as a black woman, I'm sure many different black people resonate with aspects of that. But it's still my story. Yeah. It's not a black story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that isn't really a a thing. You know what I'm saying? To me. Yeah. But so. keeping that sort of stereotypical kind of black experience as you described, I guess, keeps the cycle of oppression. It going. does. Yeah. It does. A lot of the music that flourishes in Toronto speaks specifically to that, you know, like growing up in the hood. Like the hood hood, you know what I mean? And 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 being maybe like a, a child who only has your mother in your life. That's like such a common story. It's such a painful story. And I think that we absolutely need artists to speak to that as well. We do need space for artists to speak to all of their experiences. But we also need space for black people that haven't lived that exact experience to also speak. Because not everybody grows up in that world. And not everybody can relate to those artists. We We need representation of all types of blackness. Mm. right straight blackness queer blackness as well that's another thing because this new music i'm working on i spent a lot of time talking about you know what it's like to be black now i'm introducing a little bit more of 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 my interpersonal relationships my uh things i've learned socially over the last couple of years and my sexuality is one of those things and as a caribbean you know jamaican and Bayesian, you know person those two things are opposing very much opposing yeah. so now i'm kind of moving into a new realm where i know I know there's like a distinction there um, that some people aren't going to get, but it's my experience and I have to speak to it. It just is what it is. Yeah. Talking to you has really brought up this thing for me of like, because you mentioned before, if you were singing primarily, 
it would be different and i suppose it's 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 brought into focus for me the kind of first person sort of approach of hip-hop mm. are we as listeners not challenging ourselves enough to think to empathize with the artist and not think okay well i'm a man so therefore i need to listen to other men and feel like i'm in that person's perspective if that makes sense mm -hmm. because if it's first person generally it's not like when you sing a lot of songs they're not necessarily reflecting on my experience as the singer right right i wonder if that's got something to do with this thing of like a lot of men don't want to imagine themselves as a woman in a first person perspective i think that's a big factor 100 percent um but it is ironic because the most popular um, theme, like the most popular hip hop from female artists of today, is I think even further away from their experiences a lot yeah. of the time because we talk, they're talking about. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Yeah. So they're talking about fucking men, right? And yeah. they're talking about it in very vulgar ways, in the same ways that these male rappers talk about it with women. Mm -hmm. um, I might be talking about what something that's more familiar with you because I yeah. might talk about yeah. fucking women, right? Yeah. So it's interesting because there's there is still the societal representation of what gets big, like, and so the people that determine which artists are going to be big is not even the black audience right it's like people with money people who invest in the the, the artists because as an artist you're just a commodity at the end of the day you're just like gold or silver or fuel or something you're just this valuable thing mm. right and that somebody or an entity or a group of people invest in and so they're thinking about how to sell that thing and ironically for some reason like selling females over sexualized artists maybe the guys don't have to listen to them so much but because there's a look or a sexual appeal then that's what sells and then for the, for the men they can speak to kind of like the strife side more so or i really don't know what it is um that makes it so different that makes me so different in this realm um I guess because I just am it. I don't know. Mm, I can't. Yeah. I can't think outside of it um, as much as I I would like to, just for the sake of this conversation. Um, but I do think the first person narrative thing is a factor, hundred percent. But but I but I wonder how much. Yeah. 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 I wonder if people are starting to challenge themselves a bit more, and you know, I suppose that's why a lot of the rap that's coming out from women is starting to become popular and there is a shift there is a shift happening and you know i know there's a lot of, there is a lot of other factors right like a lot of people say that women are the tastemakers don't they and that men follow what women like so perhaps yeah. that's part of it but it is interesting to think uh, i guess of the, the first person narrative as being part of this thing when you were talking before um talking about how people want to sort of see themselves in the artist mm. um it made me think, why can't more people challenge themselves to see parts of themselves in somebody who's completely different to them? Right. And, but I am starting to see it a little bit. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like, I I do think that some people are starting to recognize. Because I think really what it takes is time. Yeah. I think people have to see it a million times before they're like, huh. Right. And I think I'm that I'm that artist that you guys see a million times before you're like, Maybe there's some merit here. Maybe like this one song did, you know, like kind of penetrate a little bit. Because I am starting to see like certain artists reach out that like 
they exist in a very different realm reaching out and saying yo you're you're the truth or you're you're dope like which i didn't see before i think it just takes longer you know people resonate with what society tells them is attractive or valuable or whatever so because i'm not that i think it just took it's taking more time for people to come to that determination on their own mm. that oh i actually kind of rock with this like i've seen this person's face pop up so many times initially it didn't impact because well maybe she's not her her tits ain't hanging out her top so that didn't pull me in she's rapping about being a woman that didn't pull me in but then maybe like there's something eventually that yeah. they can attribute themselves to yeah um and so i feel like it's just like pound to the pavement like you just got to yeah. work until more and more people get it and that's kind of been my journey is just being myself and seeing how many people keep getting it yeah and you just have to hope that more and more people will get it but if they don't and they don't like yeah. I can't I think about like how, how how a lot of artists like the template is kind of clear so you could just do it you could just like if a female rapper wants to be success successful you could think about the female successful rappers that exist um right now in our time we have mulatto flow millie like all these dope 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 artists and you could kind of look at like maybe like a couple of things that um exist amongst all of them and then you could be like, okay, well, if I implement that, maybe that'll be helpful. I'll implement that, it'll be helpful, right? But it's like, I know, like, I wouldn't even be able to. Like, the reason that they're successful is because, hopefully, that's who they actually are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we just yeah. found the people that are actually like that, that occupy that space. But that's not, that's, like, ideally not them conforming. I, at least those two artists I named, I don't think they're conforming. And uh, the majority of these artists, Meg The Stallion, I don't feel like they're conforming to be this person. I think that, there is a formula that they fit. Yeah. And I feel like that's still them. Yeah. And it ain't me though. Like it's so yeah, far yeah, from yeah, me. Yeah. So it's like, how do I create a formula for me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just what I'm doing. You yeah. know, I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah. No, for sure. I think I don't remember the exact quote, but in Jay-Z's book Decoded, he talks about how ultimately no one else has the same experience as him, but what people are connecting to is the human emotion in the music. So mm -hmm. I guess that mm -hmm. is something where eventually, no matter who we're listening to, there's something just human emotion-wise that we can get out of it. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Because I know for me, my favorite artist growing up was 50 Cent. And I had never been shot. Yeah, And I'd never been through, I'm not, I wasn't from New York, like... But he was my favorite artist because of his ability to tell a story that made me feel things. And so alternatively, like, why can it not be the same, like, based on gender? Like, that doesn't really matter. I mean, we live in a time now where gender matters less than ever. So really, we should be tapping into the human experience because I feel like at the end of the day, that is what it is about. I feel like I've always been on that wavelength, though, or on that train. And I feel like also women have always, I think women have, generally been able to do that mm -hmm. because hip-hop has been dominated by males and we've li been listening from when right there's been obviously people like foxy brown Lil kim you know contributing but still male dominant as it was then it is now you know and i feel like we are able a lot of times women are able to um listen to these experiences and still interpret from it but i feel like it's uh, harder i've seen it be more difficult for men they feel like or at least some of them have communicated to me. It's just like I just, I don't see myself in that. I don't, I don't. I'm not getting anything from that. I, and I don't know. Maybe that comes from 
some ability some inability to think outside of that male realm that male gaze i'm not sure um but my whole life i've been listening to artists that live experiences that i don't and that's some of the most impactful music is music that teaches me something that i didn't know so that's just you know i think eventually it's going to make more sense to people and i just got to keep going and it'll it'll work itself out (laughs) so to wrap up what are you most proud of about what you've achieved so far I'm most proud of I'm most proud of not conforming or not even attempting to conform and still being able to achieve what I've achieved. I'm most proud of not silencing my voice to appease the listener. I'm most proud of being willing to take a chance on myself and take that risk. And 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 it being rewarded, I'm most proud of the awards and accolades I've been receiving and the music that I've made, and I'm very very proud of the new music that I'm making now, and the journey that I'm about to ensue and and undertake and new audiences that I'm gonna reach and the success I've already achieved and will achieve, and yeah, I I think what I'm most 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 proud of is taking pain. And turning it into power. Mm. And lastly, what does success look like to you? I think success is being able to like work for myself and not like, yes, I still rely on and function on somebody else's schedule and calendar, but like ultimately it's up to me. Like if I don't want to do the thing, I just don't have to do the thing. And I think outside of making the music and like the obvious gratification that comes from literally making music all my life and now getting to make it with actual listeners who actually care and they're actually waiting for the drop um like that's the best that's the best feeling in the world but also just not falling victim to the things i speak about in my music not adapting who i was out of who i am and not being able to like find myself again i feel like i know myself and although there are so many aspects of myself that I don't know, I know myself enough to know that I don't know myself, if that makes sense. And I, I feel like the direction I'm going in is so clear. I feel like I'm validated all the time with these opportunities that just keep reminding me you know, that I'm doing great things. And then every time I feel disheartened, the work doesn't stop. And then I will, oh, the reward will happen. Maybe two weeks, three weeks, one month, two months, six months. I'll always be reminded that this is the right direction. Um, someone will always tell me that they were impacted in some way that I'm like, I, I'm i so glad that you had this song at that time because you're telling me that you needed it. Um, it's uh, really, it's a dream come true. You know, I know it's probably cliche to, to, to say, but I'm sure it's not like if you think about the realities of being a musician, like that's a low ratio of people who get to do what I do. Um, and ultimately, I'm just so 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 grateful that i that i've done what i've done and that i get to keep doing what i'm doing thank you for listening to making conversation with grant bryden featuring Hawaii mighty if you like this episode then please be sure to rate comment and subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts you can listen to Hawaii mighty's stock exchange mixtape on streaming services now and check out my book life lessons from hip-hop which is available from all good booksellers Thank you to Levi's for welcoming us into House of Strauss to record. 
as well as Eroy Chan for the graphic design and John Phonics for the instrumental that I'm talking over right now. You can connect with me on social media at Grant Bryden and Havaya at Havaya Mighty on all platforms. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. <laughs>